the Africa service of Vatican Radio. Welcome to our half-hour daily program for Africa. Welcome to your Sunday liturgy. This is the program that accompanies you as you prepare for the Sunday Eucharistic celebration. After the Sunday liturgy, you can listen to our bulletin of church news that will be followed by Panorama. Then, our feature, The World Around Us, with news about our environment. I'm Father Paul Samasumo. During the time of Jesus, the deep sea was considered the dwelling place of evil. In the Gospel this week, Jesus shows that he has power even over the sea. In our personal Christian lives, we too are sometimes tossed around and about by the various storms and waves. My prayer for you this week is that in those times, you will hear the voice of the Lord saying to you, Peace, be still. Sunday in Ordinary Time. A reading from the book of Job. The Lord addressed Job out of the storm and said, Who shut within doors the sea when it burst forth from the womb, when I made the clouds its garment and thick darkness its swaddling bands? When I set limits for it and fastened the bar of its door and said, Thus far shall you come but no farther and here shall your proud waves be stilled. The Word of the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord. Give thanks. 
A reading from the second letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. Brothers and sisters, the love of Christ impels us. Once we have come to the conviction that one died for all, therefore all have died. He indeed died for all, so that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Consequently, From now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even if we once knew Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him so no longer. So whoever is in Christ is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. The word of the Lord. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. On that day, as evening drew on, Jesus said to his disciples, Let us cross to the other side. Leaving the crowd, they took Jesus with them in the boat just as he was, and other boats were with him. A violent squall came up and waves were breaking over the boat so that it was already filling up. Jesus was in the stern asleep on a cushion. They woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? He woke up, rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Quiet, be still. The wind ceased, and there was great calm. Then he asked them, Why are you terrified? Do you not yet have faith? They were filled with great awe and said to one another, Who then is this whom even wind and sea obey? The Gospel of the Lord. And now with a Sunday liturgy reflection, here is Father Enobong. Many of us Christians are still struggling with knowing who Jesus is. If we know who he is, And if we have him in the boat of our lives, we will never be afraid. We will have faith in him. One thing we should know is that turbulence and storms of life will always come. But we should also remember his words when he said, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God and also believe in me. These words come from the one who cares for his beloved. Therefore, by living in Christ, there is an assurance that wherever and whenever we encounter storms and difficult situations in life, He will always be there when we call upon Him. We long to see situations of life change for good. We long to see pains and sufferings reduced in our society to the barest minimum. Yes, we pray for miracles. We want to see God manifest His greatness as He did for the apostles. Let us take this thought and longing further. How about every Christian becoming the source of miracles in our society? How about every one of us allowing the love of Christ to urge us in everything we do? We must get this right. God cares about our well-being. 
and will not allow us face things beyond us. Many of the things we are suffering in life are not God-made, but man-made. And so one way or the other, as Christians, we can contribute positively to make life meaningful. We can help lessen the pains and sufferings of people if we act motivated by love of God and love of our neighbor. May the message of Christ in all its richness continue to find a home in our hearts. Through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Peace be with you. Robin Peary, Father Hilary Munyaneva, and Father Enobong Udoidion contributed to the program. And Father Paul Samasumo. Do stay tuned now for our Bulletin of Church News. Festus Tarawali, Pope Francis on Saturday received in audience permanent deacons of the Diocese of Rome accompanied by their family members. In his address, the Holy Father reminded them that they are custodians of service in the church and that their role is not a substitution for a priest or a bishop. Robin Gomes reports. In the Catholic Church, the diaconate is the first of three ranks in ordained ministry, that of bishops, priests, and deacons. Deacons preparing for the priesthood are transitional deacons, while those not planning to be ordained priests are permanent deacons. Permanent diaconate can be conferred on a single or married man. La generosità di un diacono che si spende senza cercare le prime file Speaking about the figure of a deacon, Pope Francis told the group that the generosity of a deacon who spends himself without seeking front lines smells of the gospel and tells of the greatness of God's humility that takes the first step to meet even those who have turned their backs on him. The Second Vatican Council points out that the diaconate is not for the priesthood but for service. The Pope explained that this difference helps to overcome the scourge of clericalism which places a caste of priests above the people of God. Precisely because deacons are dedicated to the service of the people of God, the Holy Father said, they remind us that in the ecclesial body no one can elevate himself above others. In the church, the logic of lowering must be applied. We are all called to lower ourselves because Jesus lowered himself, making himself the smallest and the servant of all. Ricordiamoci per favore che sempre per i discepoli di Gesù the Holy Father told the deacons, Please let us remember that for the disciples of Jesus, to love is to serve, and to serve is to reign. 
power lies in serving, not in anything else. Since deacons are the custodians of service in the church, the Pope said they are the custodians of true power in the church, so that no one goes beyond the power of service. Speaking about what he called a constitutively diaconal church, the Pope told his permanent deacons that if they don't live this dimension of service, their ministry will become sterile and will not produce fruit, but will slowly become worldly. Deacons remind the church that it should have a heart that burns with love and serves with humility and joy. I am Robin Gomes. In a tweet on Saturday, the Pope said, "God knows that the only way to save us, to heal us from within, is by loving us. He knows that we become better only by accepting His unfailing love, an unchanging love that changes us." The Pope tweeted. You can follow him on Twitter in nine different languages, including English, Latin, and Arabic, through his at Pontifex handle. The Office of Papal Charities has sent ventilators and medical equipment to nine countries in a sign of Pope Francis's support for nations struggling with the COVID-19 pandemic. Brazil and India will each receive six ventilators, five each for Colombia and Argentina. Four each for Chile and South Africa, while Bolivia and Syria will receive three each, and two for Papua New Guinea. A statement by Cardinal Konrad Krajewski, the official papal almoner, said the ventilators and medical supplies have been shipped by diplomatic courier to the apostolic nuncios of the nine countries. The apostolic nuncios in those countries will distribute them to the hospital centers. According to the needs of the local churches, the statement said, Pope Francis has made several donations in cash and medical equipment around the world since the outbreak of the pandemic. Ahead of the UN's World Refugee Day this Sunday, the 20th of June, the Migrants and Refugee Office of the South and African Catholic Bishops Conference has released a statement encouraging governments to promote and support access. So health and education services, as well as sport programs for refugees, in the statement signed by Archbishop Buti Tagale of Johannesburg, the bishops of Botswana, Eswatini, and South Africa said they believe the right to healthcare derives from the concern for the inherent dignity of the human person created in the image of God. The theme for this year's observance is "Together We Heal, Learn, and Shine." The statement said the theme of "Together We Heal" not only encourages the integration of refugees into their host communities, but also promotes the fundamental right to life through access to healthcare for everyone's well-being and preservation of all life. On the second aspect, "Together We Learn," which has to do with education, the bishops encouraged countries hosting refugees and the forcibly displaced. Not to impede, but to encourage access to education for refugees by putting into place the necessary legal framework and making sure that no one of the young people is left behind or denied education. On the third aspect, together we shine. The SACBC bishops joined the UN Refugee Agency in calling for greater support for refugee support programs. Meanwhile, in his message this year, the UN chief is appealing for greater empathy for refugees. As we hear in this report by UN News's Daniel Johnson, everyone has a duty to help refugees rebuild their lives after a particularly difficult year for so many. 
That's the message from UN Secretary-General Antonio Guterres to mark World Refugee Day on the 20th of June. In an appeal for greater empathy for all those who've had to flee conflict, climate shocks and harassment through no fault of their own, Mr Guterres said that the pandemic had wiped out refugees' livelihoods, led to stigmatisation and vilification. Refugees had also been exposed disproportionately to the virus, the UN chief insisted, adding that once again they demonstrated their invaluable contribution to their host communities as essential and frontline workers. According to the UN Refugee Agency, UNHCR, the number of people in need of international protection rose last year to nearly 82.4 million people. This is a 4% increase on top of the already record high of 79.5 million, recorded at the end of 2019. Daniel Johnson, UN News. The Catholic Church's World Day for Migrants and Refugees will be marked on the 27th of September 2021. For the 107th observance this year, the Pope said he wished to devote his message to the theme towards an ever wider we in order to indicate a clear horizon for our common journey in this world. I also make this appeal to journey together towards an ever wider we to all men and women for the sake of renewing the human family, building together a future of justice and peace, and ensuring that no one is left behind, the Pope wrote in the message released last month. You're tuned to the Africa service of Vatican Radio. African News Panorama A Liberian rebel commander was sentenced in Switzerland to 20 years in jail on Friday for crimes committed during his country's civil war. The Swiss court found Aliu Kosia guilty of rape, killings and an act of cannibalism. Around 250,000 people were killed in Liberia's two conflicts between 1989 and 2003 and many thousands more fled. The trial was the first under a 2011 Swiss law that allows prosecution for war crimes committed anywhere in the world. It also marked the first time war crimes charges have been heard by a Swiss civilian court. Kosia, who is now 46, was a former rebel commander who fled to Switzerland before being arrested there in 2014. The crimes took place while he was fighting with a rebel group led by Alagi Cromer against Charles Taylor's troops in Liberia's remote Lofa County in the 1990s. Mr. Taylor, who led a rebel group and later became president of Liberia, was convicted in 2012 of committing war crimes in neighboring Sierra Leone. He's serving his 50-year sentence in a prison in the United Kingdom. Ethiopians will vote on Monday in a landmark election which Prime Minister Abiy Ahmed has vowed would be free and fair after past polls were marred by allegations of fraud. The election is however overshadowed by the crisis in the northern Tigray region and beset by logistical problems. No date has been set for voting in Tigray's 38 constituencies and voting has been postponed until September in 64 out of the 547 constituencies throughout Ethiopia because of insecurity, defective ballot papers and opposition allegations of irregularities. Outbreaks of ethnic violence have also killed hundreds of people in the Amhara, Oromia and Benishagul Gumuz regions in recent months. Ethiopia last year postponed the election citing the COVID-19 pandemic adding to the tensions with Tigray's former leaders. Recently, the vote was delayed again by several weeks amid technical problems. 
involving ballot papers and a lack of polling station officials, you are tuned to the Africa service of Vatican Radio. Hello and welcome to the world around us, news about our environment. I am Festus Tarawali. As you may have heard in one of our bulletins, the Holy See, Italy and the United Kingdom are joining forces to host an event ahead of the 26th UN Climate Conference known as COP26 to showcase the contribution faith and religion can make in combating climate change. The Holy See Press Office held a press briefing on Thursday to present the 4th October meeting titled Faith and Science Towards COP26. The UN Climate Conference will take place in Glasgow, Scotland from the 31st of October to the 12th of November. Devin Watkins reports. The Holy See, Italy and the United Kingdom are joining forces to host a pre-COP26 event to showcase the contribution faith can make in combating climate change. Pope Francis will likely participate in the event on October 4th. Archbishop Paul Richard Gallagher, the Vatican's Secretary for Relations with States, presented the event and described the Pope's desire to support initiatives against the climate crisis. The Pope is, is, is very interested, is very committed to these issues, and therefore I think it is highly likely that uh, he will indeed participate in the thing with other uh, religious leaders. Archbishop Gallagher also pointed out that climate change presents an enormous challenge and that faith has a role to play in the solution. You've got to draw on all of your resources if we're going to rise to these challenges. And that certainly is faith, it is religion, it is the, the spiritual dimension of humanity. If we ignore that and think that the only uh, solution is good politics or good science, I, I think we are, we're going to find that we're not going to be successful. Archbishop Gallagher recalled Pope Francis is saying that everything is connected to say that the challenges facing the world must be dealt with together, which he said is an aspect that people of religion can contribute to in a unique fashion. The Italian ambassador to the Holy See, Pietro Sebastiani, then spoke about his government's efforts to prepare for COP26. Italy's government will host the pre-COP event in Milan in the fall to offer government ministers the chance to discuss topics in an informal setting ahead of the main COP26 event in Glasgow. Another initiative held at the same time seeks to involve some 400 young people from around the world in preparing a better future for the planet. Ambassador Sebastiani concluded saying that the faith and science event will allow faith leaders to showcase how religion encourages the faithful to do their part in caring for our common home. I'm Devin Watkins. At a press conference on Thursday, British Ambassador to the Holy See, Sally Axworthy, presented the UK's goals for the COP26 meeting and its hopes for the faith and science run-up event. She told my colleague Linda Bordoni more about the event in the Vatican on the 4th of October. The Italian and British embassies to the Holy See and the Holy See itself have invited nearly 40 faith leaders from the world's religions and 10 leading scientists to an event in the Vatican and partly in the Palazzo Borromeo, which is the Italian embassy, on the 4th of October. And it's really to build momentum for COP26. So we think faith leaders have an important part to play in you know, raising the ambition of governments, but also in leading the way and showing the kinds of changes that we all need to make in order to tackle climate change. 
And so we've been working with these faith leaders since the beginning of the year in virtual meetings to prepare this event in, in October. And we hope at that event they will really call for greater ambition at uh, COP26 itself. So when you say faith leaders, I imagine you are speaking of an ecumenical forum. Well, it's not ecumenical. It's also interreligious. So, um, the, you know, the major faiths have, have been invited. Obviously, we, we had to limit numbers because of the pandemic, but we've, we've tried to have representatives from all world religions and all geographies as well, so people from all over the world. I also imagine that Laudato Si will play a part in the programme as guidelines, as a blueprint. Well, in a way, the whole thing was inspired by Laudato Si because we saw what a, uh, an important role that encyclical played in 2015 before the Paris COP and how it really, you know, helped create the atmosphere in which the Paris Agreement could be made. So we're very much inspired by Laudato Si and by the other faith declarations that were made in 2015 and wanting to bring religious leaders together to do something similar, but this time all together. Obviously, we're, we're very grateful to the Holy See for, the, for working with us on this. And we think that together with the Italian Embassy and the Holy See, we can, we can make our contribution to COP26, which is important because we all need to work on this agenda. As regards the summit itself, obviously you hope that the faith and science event will have some kind of impact on the decisions that, on the very important decisions that will be taken. Have you any idea if, um, you know, how that's going to happen? Are you going to have a voice at the COP26? Um, is there going to be an event within the meeting itself? The details of COP26 are still being worked out, so I, I can't really answer that yet. But what I sh should say is that COP26 is going to be largely about implementing the Paris Agreement. So there is still a bit of negotiation that needs to be done on the rules to implement the Paris Agreement. But most of this is around what countries are going to do themselves. So countries nationally determine contributions on emissions. So we're asking countries to commit to net zero emissions by 2050 and to halve their emissions by 2030 because we need to take action in the coming decade. So those are things that are, they're voluntary, but obviously we would like countries to be as ambitious as possible. And then the other parts of the agenda are around raising climate finance. So that's that we want uh, developed countries to contribute at least $100 billion a year to support the transition to low emission economies and in particular to support developing countries. So that's something that we're really focused on. And then the other area is about adaptation. So that means sort of protecting ourselves against the changing climate. So trying to reduce the effects by building resilient infrastructure, building agriculture that can cope with changing climate and protecting nature. That was British Ambassador to the Holy See, Sally Axworthy, speaking there to Linda Bordoni. You're tuned to the Africa service of Vatican Radio. Praise be Jesus Christ. Laudetu Jesus Christus.